You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm Pastor Angie. Uh, if you were not here last week, uh, last week would be a great foundation for you to totally grasp this week on righteousness. But my husband and I have been associate pastors here since 2004, and God called us here to help. And that's what we do. And we love our fit. We love our role. And Pastor Earl and Marcy first went to Seattle, and, and they are so passionate about doing the, the, the vision of this church, which, which is igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world. And that's what they're doing. They ministered to pastors and leaders there. But today, they're actually in Valdosta uh, celebrating nine years. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we're so excited for our, our sister church there. But I want to jump right in because I have so much. And you be believing God with me that I can get all of it to you uh, this morning. I said this to you last week. There's no other word in the Bible or in theology which is less understood and appreciated than righteousness. Yet enwrapped within it is everything for which humanity has craved. That is a quote by E.W. Kenyon, and I said this to you, that a revelation of this subject of righteousness, it will cure every sense of guilt that you have, every insecurity, every inadequacy, any kind of fear of man, or I'm not good enough. If you will stay in this subject day in and day out, it'll rid you of all that. And it'll make you bold. That's why the scripture says in Proverbs that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Because we understand who we are. We understand what our seat is in the kingdom of God. But, but I want to try to hit five points if I can this morning. But I want to say this again. Uh, if the devil cannot keep you from getting born again, then he'll keep you from knowing your identity. And that's the very thing that he did to Jesus when he was led into the wilderness. He said, if you really are the son of God, if you really are, that's what he did to Jesus and you're no different. So that's what he does to you. Uh, do you really, are you worthy really to approach the throne of God with boldness? Are you really worthy? That's what he'll say to you. He'll try to bring guilt and condemnation. And I'm telling you, if you have any condemnation, you will not walk by faith. You will not. You will not approach the throne of God with boldness. 1 John 3, 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If your heart does not condemn you. So you, you want to make sure that you're always keeping yourself in remembrance of I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. It's a gift. And there's not anything that you can do to deserve it. I said this to you. You don't grow in your righteous position, but you do grow in fruits of righteousness. So, so what God has made you, that's who you are. That, that's where you're seated. And you cannot forget this position that he's done for you. And when, when the Hebrew says, I've labored to enter into rest, uh, that rest that we're entering into is this first part of righteousness that is, there's not anything I can do to be made right. It's just believe on the Lord Jesus. 
It's just believe that he died, that he rose again, and he made me right. And honestly, that's that's sometimes a really hard thing for us to grasp because we, we beat ourselves up. You know, we, we sometimes have guilt because of decisions. The Bible says to forget even yesterday. Forget those things that are behind and press on. And that's something that you do by faith because the memory wants to come and remind you, my gosh, you, look at what you did. And you got to say, oh, no, no, uh-uh. that is behind me. I'm going to press on towards the mark of the high calling. That's who I am. And that is by faith. So it, it doesn't matter how you feel, if I can just say that. It doesn't matter in that moment. This is what we all have to do. This is this life of faith. You get up in the morning and there's the guilt. There's the condemnation. You say, no, no, I know who I am. I've been made right. And I can stand boldly before God. So we'll talk about this, the difference, because if you don't understand the difference between Hebrews saying the only labor that you enter is to enter into God's rest and James telling you, listen, if you don't have a work to your faith, your faith is dead. And if you don't understand the difference, there'll be great confusion. And I'll tell you in the church today, there is that. Great confusion. In my uh, righteousness class, I give them a, a, uh, an equation that is like a math equation, like two plus two equals four. And I'll tell them that the, the religious equation would be faith plus works equals righteousness. That's if you're religious. You think you've got to get a work in there to become right. The antinomian view or the carnal view is faith equals righteousness minus works. Like there's no work. True faith, though, is faith equals righteousness plus works. And out of your righteousness, there will be a work. And it's, it's who you are. And I will submit to you, if there is no work, then there is no faith. There has to be a work to your righteousness, and we'll talk about that. So what do we do? Um, and, and now that we've been made righteous, Ephesians 3.12 says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. These are scriptures that you ought to meditate on in the epistles because it says in Jesus, in Christ, we have boldness. We have access and we have confidence before him. We can, we can go right before him. Hebrews chapter one, verse eight and Psalm 45, six says, the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of the kingdom. Let me just explain that real quickly. If we can look at Esther and, and the story that happened with Esther, remember she was, her goal, her purpose was to, to deliver the Jews. And Mordecai said, this is your time. You've been called for such a time as this. You've got to go before the king. Well, it was illegal for her to go before the king unless he extended the scepter to her. And so she said, if I, if I go to him, I'm going to die, you know, because he has not invited me. And so uh, Mordecai said, you've been called for such a time as this girl, you better do it. And so she went and she went before the king and the king extended the scepter of righteousness to her. And that's, it's a scepter that gave her access. It's a scepter that gave her confidence. And it's a scepter that said, I'll grant you whatever you need. 
And he extended that to her. And you know what she did? She touched that scepter. And that was a sign of her saying, I'm so thankful for this position that you've given me. I'm so thankful for this, this access that you've given me. And I'm so thankful that you will grant what I ask according to your word and your law. And so when the scripture tells us in two different places that the scepter of righteousness, that is your access to the kingdom of God. And that's the scepter that you've got to get out every single day, every single day. The Bible can be more clear about this, uh, you know, this righteousness and this confidence. So number one is what do we do now? Number one is I will awaken unto this righteousness. First Corinthians 15, 34 says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. Awake or wake up. We could say, wake up to this righteousness that God has given you. Remind yourself daily that he's done this for you. First Peter 2 24 says he himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin. You are dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. That's from the passion translation. But it says that we're supposed to now live unto righteousness there is a clear difference in scripture about being righteous and doing righteousness. And you've got to understand both. When the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that means there's another one and it's yours and you better not be in that one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his. It's a first thing. It's a principal thing that we've got to seek. And it says that the just shall live by faith. The righteous man is supposed to live by faith. So wake up to this righteousness. Romans chapter six goes into this whole, you know, list of shall we continue to sin now? Uh, so grace will increase. So it will abound. May it never be, but present yourselves to God now as being alive from the dead. You know you died with him, you were buried with him, and that you were raised with him. That's what the scripture says. And you're raised, we talked about this last week, to sit in heavenly places with him. Far above, don't forget, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. So anything that tries to come to tell you it's going to take forever for you to get healed. No, that's a lie. That's under my feet. Whatever it is, you, you don't have the money to pay that bill. No, God supplies every one of my needs. That's under my feet. You got to know where you're seated. We just sang a song about being seated at the table. And remember, I, I told you when I heard that the first time from Brother Hagen, uh, I was sitting in my little car and, and he started talking about sitting at the table and the enemies are there and they're talking all right. But I, I'm not listening to them, but I'm saying, just pass me the bowl of victory. Just pass me the bowl of joy. Just pass me the bowl of healing. And I got so excited, I took off running down the street. I had just pulled into my apartment and I was like, hallelujah, I'm seated at the table. You're seated at the table. Don't forget where you're seated. 
And don't forget that everything that you need is encompassed in salvation. He's clothed you with garments of salvation. He's placed upon you a robe of righteousness. You got to live in it. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. So number two is, I will not shrink back. God did not give me a spirit of fear. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 38 and 39 says, Now the just shall live by faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. That word draw back there means that you're withdrawing because of fear. That you're, you're shrinking back. A circumstance comes and you begin to shrink back. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can do this. Fear begins to grip you and you shrink back and then you don't take your position of faith. Remember Isaiah 54 verses 14 and 17, because this was our foundation last week. It says, in righteousness, you shall be established. That means you're firm. It means you're stable. It means you're prepared and furnished. It means, well, it doesn't mean, but I'm going to keep reading. You shall be far from oppression. That means distress, anguish, and unjust gain. You'll be far from those things. For you shall not fear. And that means you don't have to dread anything. You have to be afraid about anything and from terror. I mean, he, if he's not trying to drive the point home here, listen, and this righteousness, you, this is your foundation. You'll be established in this. You will not fear. You will not have terror. And you will be far, far from oppression. In this righteousness. And then verse 17 that a lot of people like to quote but don't understand the full context of it. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Again, that's because of your righteousness. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, he says. It's from him. It's not your own. Let me give you the definitions again because they're good and we need to remember them of righteousness. Righteousness is restoring to mankind what was lost in the fall. Restoring to mankind what was lost in the fall. It is also the life and nature of God in you. Remember, he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord God Jehovah, our righteousness. It is also the ability to stand before God without the sense of guilt, shame, and inferiority. That's a big one. And the last definition I gave you was, it is the ability to stand in the Father's presence as though sin had never been. As free as Adam was before he transgressed. This is your position, your righteous position. Romans 5, 17, remember, pastor has said, this is the year to reign. So you've got to identify, going through this, what are some areas that I'm not reigning in righteousness? What are some areas in my life that I need to get bold and get the scripture on this thing and remember that I can come boldly? There's some areas that, that you're confident in, like, I know I'm the hill to the Lord. Uh, but then in finances, you might have some weakness and go, I'm not sure if he supplies my needs. 
And so you've got to identify those areas and get before him with the word of God and say, no, God, you said. Remind him. He said, keep him in remembrance of his word. He didn't forget it, but you've got to keep it before him. Always. So righteousness is a masterful thing. It's a gift. Romans 5, 17 says, for if by one man's offense, we're talking about Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So we are supposed to be reigning in this gift of righteousness. So we know that our own righteousness is filthy rags. We know that. And then I want to look for a minute at the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Because it's a pretty frightful thing that Jesus said to them, unless your righteousness exceeds theirs, then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we read that and we just brush over that like, okay, maybe that doesn't apply to me because, uh, you know, they were real pious and, you know, they, they just, um, you know, I'm not like that basically, you know, I'm not super spiritual, super religious, but let's look at what they did. Uh, some good things that they did that was not uh, totally good because it wasn't from the heart, but they evangelized the Pharisees were, Jesus said to them, you go land and sea to, to gain one convert. Do we all go land and sea to, to gain a convert? They were passionate. They were passionate about what their purpose was. The Pharisees, okay? We're talking about the Pharisees. They tithed. Jesus said, you tithe mint and cumin. You do all these things, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. They tithed. They were givers. The other thing they were is they were Bible students. They were very, very studious. They knew the word. They knew the law, and people respected them and looked up to them. He said, you, do, you know the scriptures, you do well, you study them. And then the last thing I just want to tell you is they prayed. They prayed. They prayed with much, much discipline and fervor. In fact, they like for people to hear their prayers. But they did. They prayed. They were givers. They evangelized. They were Bible students. And they prayed. So are there times that we could actually identify with them in our own righteousness? Let me keep reading in Matthew 23. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we have a little bit of a culture of self-indulgence. I mean, it seems like we are very self-absorbed and we can find ourselves in that trap. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly or righteous outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So the one problem with them is that they, they were religious externally only, but do you believe that they probably thought they were doing all the right things? <laughs> 
you got to believe that they did. That they thought, I'm doing the right things, but, but God would look at them and say, your heart is so far from me. And so for, for our righteousness to exceed theirs, number three is, I will draw near with a true heart. I will draw near with a true heart. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 says, verse 19, therefore, brethren, just listen to this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and with a And having a high priest over the house of God, listen to verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Are we free from sin consciousness? You are either righteousness conscious or you are sin conscious. This says having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Remember, I said this to you last week, you either live in the ministry of righteousness or the ministry of condemnation in the scripture. You you remain in one or the other. So this says, let us draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. You've got to remind yourself that what he says is yes and amen. He's faithful. Will God find true faith on the inside of you? The Bible says in Romans chapter one that that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So we're increasing in our faith. We had faith to become righteous, and now we've got to live by faith to live out this righteousness. By faith, he's faithful. So God said that they were a hypocritos or a hypocrite or a stage player, the Pharisees. They were stage players. Righteousness is internal and external. Godliness is internal and external. It's got to be in you. I said this last week that um, this is not just a subject that you can just come and go, oh, I like that. This is such great news. It's not just great news. You've got to get it in your bloodstream. You've got to get it in you that this is who I am. I'm telling you, this life of faith is, is calling those things that are not as though they were. Are we really doing those things? God said he's looking to and fro around the earth looking for somebody whose heart he can become strong in. Can he find faith? Will he find faith on the earth? Are we calling those things that are not as though they are? Are we those trees of righteousness like we read last week in Psalms 92? We're planted by the streams of the water. We've got our roots deep. And so winds and waves are gonna come, but we're not moved. And we're still bearing fruit. And that's what we're supposed to be, is trees of righteousness. This is your foundation. Now, number four is, I will walk in the Spirit. I will walk in the Spirit. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to read Romans chapter 8. This is the deal. Uh, You've got to live by the Holy Ghost, okay? He is by the word of God and your obedience to it. But the Holy Ghost, this is his time. This is his ministry, okay? This is why he's here. He's here to lead you, to live in you, to make you overcome and be big in every area and to be everything that you need, your counselor, your guide, your advocate, your strengthener, your comforter, every, he is everything for you. And he guides you every day. Every single day. But if we are too caught up in what we do and our own, what we feel are right things, righteousness, then we may not yield to the leading of the Holy Ghost. And the scripture is very clear that the ministry of the Spirit of God is the ministry of righteousness. So, so he has come alongside you and in you to say, you're, you're good before God. I, you don't have to sin. You've been delivered from the law of sin and death. I, you've been set free. You don't have to yield to that. I'll strengthen you. You don't have to do that. I'm in you. You got this. That's what he does. And if we'll just yield to him, then we'll overcome in everything. So let's read. We're going to read Romans 8, and we're going to read quite a bit of it. So you guys are, my, are, this, are strong, uh, suck the word out of you people, so suck it out, okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? We, we know that, right? In righteousness, there's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's our righteous position. Listen, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So now there's something that you do. Now that you've been made right, now that you're free, now that you have no more condemnation, it's for freedom that God set you free. But but how do you handle this freedom? This freedom really is freedom in your mind. And this level of grace, honestly, is just a great high standard. Because this freedom that you live in is now, I'm free to hear God. I'm free to yield to the Holy Ghost. I'm free from bondage. I'm free from sin. I'm free from accusations. You're free. You're truly free. So it says, for those, there's going to be no condemnation if you will walk according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Remember, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I understand who I am and I yield to him and there's peace. There's joy. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So when you read that, you go, is that me? Are they talking to me? That's you. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. Thank God for that. Remember, in righteousness you're established. You're far from terror. You're far from from fear. You're far from oppression. You're far from all those things. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You came out of that. So, so I will not shrink back. I will stand fast in my faith. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So we've got to yield to the Holy Ghost. You've got to listen to him. I could go on and on about that, but I want to get to point number five, our last one. But he's in you and he desires to lead you every second of the day. And he will. Number five is let's have faith like Abraham. Let's have faith like Abraham. Let me read. We're going to get to Romans chapter four. But let me just read to you real quick Hebrews chapter four, a couple of verses. This is the one we were singing about when service started. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. This is your position of righteousness. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful. And we, we prayed that in the beginning. But it, this is the rest that you're, you're going to enter. And I'm telling you, if we don't conquer this understanding that I am righteous, then you're going to have a hard time with doing righteousness and living by faith. We could spend weeks on being, being righteous, being made righteous. What happened? in that process. And that's why in my Kingdom Institute class, I make them memorize Isaiah 32, 17. It says the work of righteousness, talking about the work that Jesus did, the work of righteousness will be peace. Remember Romans 5, 1 says you have peace with God. Some of you need to remind yourself of that. The work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of it is quietness and assurance forever. So the work that God did gave me peace with him. Thank you, Father. Gave me peace with him. I can come boldly before him all the time. 
And the effect of it in my life is that there's quietness and assurance forever. Confidence. James chapter 2 says, and then we're going to look at Abraham real quick. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother is, or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, listen, on that note, um, and that's why I say to you, I mean, even, even the devil knows that God is righteous. I mean, even the devil knows that you've been made just like him when you, when you made him Lord. Even the devil knows that. But if you're not walking in it, I mean, he knows, he knows how powerful you are, but we, and he is under our feet, but we have to activate that and live in that. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works, his faith was made perfect? And, the, and that's the key right there. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So the scripture says, and I'm going to read it in Romans chapter four, that Abraham believed God. And because of that, it was accounted to him for righteousness or it was imputed to him. Okay? But there was a work that went with, it, with his faith. And so out of this righteousness, the, out of this faith, position of faith, if there's no work, then your faith is dead. And so it says this righteousness for Abraham, this was a type and picture for us that, that God imputed it. Remember, all sin was imputed to Adam. All of our sin was imputed to Jesus. And Jesus's righteousness was imputed to you. And David said, oh, how blessed is the man to whom God imputes righteousness. You're so blessed. You're so blessed that God has given you this. That he's gifted you this. Okay, Romans chapter 4. And I think we'll end with this. Possibly. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, then he had something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If you're trying to get righteous on the count of your own works, it's not under grace, but it's debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. 
Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? We're we're talking about outward things here. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised that he might be the father of all those who believe. You never knew why you sang Father Abraham, had many sons. You never knew why you sang that till right now. Because he is the one to whom God imputed this righteousness because he believed God at his word and he acted on it. Though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed. Oh, wait, I skipped something. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. That's us. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Stay with me. Verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect because the law brings about wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, now listen, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now, if you want to be like Abraham... Let's do these things. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith. He was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Does anybody have that faith here that's close to 100? I'm just saying, just makes you think what kind of faith he had to apply there. Okay, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, and therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, 
that it was imputed to him, but for us also, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead and who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. So the, 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 the points that I gave you, if you can just rehearse those, I will awaken unto righteousness. I will not shrink back. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I will draw near with a true heart and I will walk in the spirit and I will have the faith of Abraham. Abraham was not weak in faith. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He was strengthened in faith. He was strengthened in faith and he gave glory to God. I'm telling you, today you need, he was fully convinced, today you need to be like the position that Esther took when she touched the scepter of righteousness, the scepter of the kingdom and said, oh, king, thank you. Thank you, king, for giving me this access. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this confidence. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the the confidence that I could approach you fully and say, God, I want you to set the people free. Or King, I want you to set the people free. Whatever it is, you've got to approach the throne of God. Thank him for this scepter of righteousness, for this position that he's given you. Quit calling yourself unworthy. Quit seeing yourself as not good enough. You're in essence, you're trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus. We're so thankful for what he's done and the blood that was applied on the mercy seat to make us right. Show him. Show him that you're thankful. This is how you get breakthrough. It's by being like Abraham saying, I'm not going to be weak in faith. God, your word said, I'm not going to waver through unbelief. And God, I'm going to give all the glory to you. So whatever it is, if if you're needing healing in an area of your life, if you're lacking confidence and you're, you're living in guilt, over something, today is the day to let it go. The scripture says to cast your burden on the Lord because he cares for you. And he's so just and he's so righteous that you can confess any sin to him and he's faithful and he's just. And the scripture says he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the minute that happens, you better get up and brush yourself off and say, God, you've made me right. I thank you, Father, that you've made me righteous. Thank you, Lord, that you provided everything that I need in you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.